We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast, and remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. My name is Andrew Mertig. Welcome back to another Friday edition of the show. I am flying solo this week without my normal partner Kyle, but he will be back next Friday. There has been a lot of talk about the Packers' win over the New York Jets on Sunday, and I have taken quite a bit of heat for my openness and my desire for the Packers to have lost that game and then also losing the game against the Lions. So I wanted to take a little bit uh, closer analysis on that topic today, and of course the win ended up jumping the Packers uh, drafting position to pick 14 for the 2019 draft. If they had lost, they would have been slated at pick 10 with a good chance to move even higher up in the first round if they had lost to the Lions. This may not seem like a significant drop for a momentum-building win. However, according to the draft trade value chart, there is a 200-point difference between picks 10 and 14. So that alone is going to mean sacrificing around a mid-third round pick just for that one win. But the first round isn't the only story. 
In the second round, the Packers lose 30 points between their picks, which is the equivalent of another fifth rounder. The difference in the third round is about 20 points, or approximately a sixth round pick. Round four is an eight-point difference, and then the fifth and sixth rounds represent a combined 3.2 points difference, and the seventh is, is largely insignificant. So when you combine those, the total you get is 261.2. Now that doesn't necessarily mean anything to you or I without the draft trade value chart, but this is the equivalency of the first pick of the third round. So for all the folks who are on the winning is the only option bandwagon, are you willing to give up a top of the third round pick for a win against a mostly hapless New York Jets team? I want to be clear. My hope for a loss doesn't make me a bad fan, at least not in my opinion. Those who think similarly to me simply realize that this season has been a rough one and want to see something good come out of it. Free agents are not going to care if the Packers win against two bad teams to finish the season. They care about the amount of money that Green Bay has to offer, uh, and the next head coach is going to be attracted to the Packers' vacancy because they offer the greatest potential to win a Super Bowl of any of the vacancies that are going to be open this year. I just want to make sure that Brian Gutekunst has the greatest opportunity to give that new coach as many of the assets as they are going to need to succeed. And I don't believe trading around or trading away a third-round pick for late-season, largely meaningless wins are a really good way to do that. People are absolutely allowed to have their own opinions on the subject. I just hope the same people pining for victories now aren't complaining about not getting the player on the top of their list come April. And if you want an example of how this can play out in real life, in the second round last year, Harold Landry went five picks in front of Josh Jackson. So... That may not be the total difference, but the Packers could be looking, you know, potentially at a player that they love that falls in the second round, and they're not going to be available without having to move up and give up even more draft assets. I'm willing to concede there were plenty of positives to leave that game with. Aaron Rodgers seemed to get his mojo back, and it is great to see Rodgers having fun on the field after his passion for the game has been consistently questioned throughout the season. Equinemia St. Brown, one of my favorites, continued to show promise as a potential breakout player for next year. As as Kyle and I pointed out before the season began, Brown has a 6'6 frame, he has elite athleticism, and he just turned 22 years old during the season. Uh, Jamal Williams proved he can be a complimentary running back with Aaron Jones. The offensive line played well. But these were already things the Packers knew or could have continued to discover throughout training camp in the preseason, and I didn't think that they needed to cost themselves more draft position in order to discover that. But I know I've been beat up on this topic. Uh, It seems that half of Packers' Twitter is on one side and half on the other, and there's a lot of infighting. I'm done dwelling on the past. Green Bay has a matchup against the Lions this weekend, and it seems that Detroit already considers their season over and certainly haven't shown a lot of motivation in finishing strong for head coach Matt Patricia. So rather than preview a game, and that's what Kyle and I would normally do on a Friday show, where I believe the Lions aren't really going to want to be out in the cold at Lambeau, I thought I'd take a little bit of a, a look at the upcoming offseason. Now, head coach is going to be talked about ad nauseum, um, certainly the next few days, into the weekend, um, come Monday, and um, probably even throughout the playoffs as the Packers continue to wait to interview what looks to be a slew of different head coaching candidates. So they, as they begin their search for the next head coach, um, 
And and certainly that style is going to make a lot of difference in the type of personnel the Packers are going to be searching for. Um, but Kyle and I are going to continue to take a deep dive into potential offseason moves in the coming weeks. But I wanted to take a shot at maybe playing a little mock GM today and potentially fixing some of the holes in the Packers roster. Um, and to do that, I'm going to use Fanspeak's Ultimate GM Tool. So the first thing that I wanted to take a look at is, who are you going to cut? Number one, I think this is fairly obvious, um, Edge Nick Perry. This is going to result in a ton of dead cap space, but it does free up around $3.6 million, so they've gotten to the point in this contract where it actually saves them a little bit of money. And based on Perry's play um, and, and really poor performance um, and inability to be available um, a good portion of the time, I don't think there's any question that you have to get rid of Perry. Um, this one is probably going to be a little bit more questionable, um, and that is defensive back Tremont Williams. Um, Williams has meant a ton to this team this year. He's actually played really well. Um, he's been probably their second best corner um, and, and potentially their best safety. Um, and he has been a um, relief in, in a time when, quite frankly, the Packers haven't had a lot of defensive back help. But a savings of $4.75 million is going to be too much to pass up for me just to, to have his veteran presence on the team. I'm also going to take a look at tackle Jason Spriggs. He can save the Packers a little bit over $1.1 million. Spriggs has been solid at times, but certainly hasn't lived up to his draft position. I think he does have the athletic makeup to be a good lineman in the NFL, but I think his time in Green Bay probably is up. And then I think there's some a few odds and ends. Guys like Trevor Davis and Kyle Murphy, they can save the Packers a little bit of cap room and move on from the guys who have not shown the the ability to be available. And again, those injury-riddled players, I think it's time for the Packers to move on from some of those. Um, a couple of guys that I am taking a look at that I would keep, number one is tackle Brian Bulaga. I would have a really hard time justifying cutting him for the $6.75 million in cap savings. Um, and trying to find a replacement for that price is just too difficult to do in the NFL. I'd much rather keep Alaga and draft a young guy who can fill in if he finds himself hobbled again. I'd also like to keep tight end Jimmy Graham. The cap savings is negligible after the 2019 season. So basically, you're not going to have any penalty if they keep him one more year. And I'd love to give Jimmy one more chance to get healthy and have another year getting used to working with Aaron Rodgers. I would hope to find a young tight end in the draft to develop behind Graham, but I just think even playing poor to his standards, he's been a pretty decent tight end. Um, maybe not worth the money, but at this point, cutting him, I think, does more bad than it does good. Now, anytime you do one of these simulations, it's pretty difficult to gauge exactly where the Packers would be cap space-wise. That is because the NFL hasn't set the, the cap space for next year um, or the, the cap availability, and we don't know exactly how much they're going to have to save for rookies based on where they'll be picking. But for the sake of this exercise, I'm going to say that we have about $47.8 million based on what I've estimated, and that's not going to count the rookie reserve. So I've already held as I had approximately $5 million. The Packers are probably going to be spending a little bit more than that. Um, but for the sake of this, it's a nice even number. Now, I would try to re-sign Randall Cobb. I think Muhammad Wilkerson is another re-sign candidate. And I, I'd even look to bring back Clay Matthews for team-friendly deals. But in this simulation, I did not have any luck getting any of those players to bite at a price that I would be comfortable with. So, now we move on to free agency. We've got a re-signing done and our cuts. 
Um, and early in the free agency period, I would definitely target edge. I was able to secure Brandon Graham from the Eagles for four years at $7 million annually, and then also Shane Ray of the Broncos for four years at $5 million a year. I think the numbers might be a little bit low for those two players, but I am targeting those second-tier players rather than top-notch guys like D. Ford and Jadavion Clowney. And with some decent guaranteed money, I think you could you could reasonably expect to sign two guys like Graham and like Shane Ray. In my second wave of targets, one thing that I think is really important is to get a veteran guard. And I targeted Jack Muhort, who accepted a two-year deal. Um, and and he was considered, just a couple of years ago, a top-notch interior lineman in the NFL. But injuries have largely derailed his career. I would be looking at about $2 million per for those two years. And probably a deal that you could get out of after one season if it doesn't work out and if, if Muhort can't get healthy. I love the idea of adding a veteran guard to provide depth and possibly start the beginning of the year until a young player is ready to move into that starting position. I I found at this point that I had some pretty serious cap room remaining, so I turned my attention to Earl Thomas. He may be tempted by the Cowboys, but they aren't going to have a lot of cap room this year, especially having to re-sign Amari Cooper. And so I gave him an offer of two years at $9 million per year, which... Um, given that he is a safety, $9 million per is pretty pretty high based on what happened to safeties last year in free agency, and that is largely going to be guaranteed. At this point, we've already addressed the pass rush, and then you add in Thomas as the best center field safety in the game. So I would totally be fine with that as a free agency, and I think you know, given the reality of who is going to sign, and probably that my, my estimated costs are a little bit under where we'd be going, that would be pretty good. But I'm doing a simulation, and I'm the GM in this situation, so I'm going to get a little bit greedy, and I am going to try to address a couple other positions of need. I found that I could get Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, at three years and $8 million per year. And so while Matthew and Earl Thomas are probably a little bit redundant to each other, the Packers' defense would go from very weak at safety to probably one of the elite position groups if Earl Thomas can recover from that injury. They'd also be he- investing heavily in a position that few others are spending money on, so that's definitely a, a risky proposition. Um, I would also like to address the inside linebacker, and to do that, I wanted to get a little bit creative. So I went after Quan Alexander from Tampa Bay. And I offered him a contract of three years and four million per, which he accepted. That's probably a little bit of an overpay for where Alexander is, but he had a fantastic start to his career. He was great as a rookie, and he is that prototype athletic freak LSU linebacker that they just keep bringing into the draft seemingly every year. But he has fallen off a little bit the last couple of years, and to me, that's a rather light investment for a guy who is still only 24 years old. Now, this is a position change, and that's why I said it's a, it's risky besides his recent play, and he'd be moving from 4-3 outside linebacker to a 3-4 inside linebacker, but he could be a perfect fit to be a coverage linebacker next to Blake Martinez. I also like the idea of going after an elite athlete, and, and I think Brian Gutekunst likes that based on um, the types of players that he's been acquiring since he became GM. And I thought I'd bring in Demetrius Harris, who is a former UW-Milwaukee basketball player, and we're going to bring him back to Wisconsin from the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Harris has all the athletic qualities you look for in a great tight end, but he has been behind Travis Kelsey his entire career. So to me, at worst, he's a solid backup. And at best, he has a similar career arc to a guy like Trey Burton, who went from the Eagles to the Bears. And I think you could get Harris relatively cheap. I was even thinking something like two years, uh, $1.5 million per. So I know the Packers don't typically splurge like that in free agency. But now they have a pretty aggressive GM and most of the caps, uh, or the most cap space they've had in quite a while. I could see Brian Gutekunst going big and just absolutely swinging for the fences. So I went out and I signed two edge rushers, two safeties, an interior offensive lineman, an inside linebacker, and a tight end. And if they had all of those positions met in free agency, they could just truly focus on getting the best available player in the draft. This also left about $20 million in cap space. And that's because largely these contracts are going to be backloaded. And so they're, they're going to have smaller cap numbers up front. And that's going to give them the flexibility to provide any extensions that they may want to work on early. And then have some cap space to roll over for next offseason. So at this point, we're moving on to the NFL draft. We had a big... Um, outcome of free agency and I got all the players that I would ever consider wanting Um, but today I'm just going to mock four rounds of the draft. Well it is way too early to even go that far and have a reasonable expectation where anyone will fall. Um, It is good to take a look at what kinds of positions the Packers could be realistically expected to meet. So I'm going to use the Fanspeak Steve draft board since it was the most up-to-date when I did my mock and then we'll just see how the chips fall. So we simulate out, and I talked about how disappointed I was that the Packers fell to 14. And then, of course, I get to the 14th pick, and there staring me in the face is Josh Allen, the edge rusher from Kentucky. One thing I will safely assume at this point is that Josh Allen will not be available in the Packers pick. I fully anticipate that he is going to have a huge pre-draft process and end up being a top five pick. But in this particular uh, mock, Allen falls to 14. It's not impossible to think one of the pass rushers is going to take a dip on draft day. Typically, one of the elite defenders does slide down the board. And it might not be Allen at all. But I do love the idea of having already added two free agents, and then you add them to Kyler Fackrell, and now we have a first-round pick as an edge rusher, plus a fifth developmental guy like a Kendall Donerson. That is taking edge and going from a major weakness to a strength on on the defense. Um, At pick 32, uh, acquired from the Saints, I found offensive lineman Cody Ford from Oklahoma. Ford is going to be a really intriguing guy for me to watch pre-draft. He played at guard and then actually has moved to left tackle this season for the Sooners. He has really intriguing movement skills, and I'd like to see the Packers try him at right tackle, and then probably be a really strong candidate to start at right guard if tackle's not for him. I anticipate he is going to have a really similar pre-draft trajectory to um, a few years ago when Cody Whitehair jumped up the charts with the Chicago Bears. He has really those kind of elite movement traits. Um, In the second round at pick 14, I saw wide receiver Marquise Brown, another Oklahoma Sooner. Um, And maybe I'm just hoping to reunite these two guys with their uh, former college coach. I don't know. Um, But Brown has elite speed. He is really dynamic with the ball in his hands. If you get a chance to watch him um, as a college player, he is really exciting. 
And I absolutely love Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemia St. Brown as partners to Devontae Adams. But the Packers lack that little jitterbug receiver, and they lack a guy who can just run a jet route deep, and maybe that's where Valdez-Scantling is going, but it'd be really nice to have another guy like that. Um, I'd also like to see them try to work a little guy out of the slot, Um, and since we're losing Randall Cobb in this simulation, Brown's a great step in for that. He probably has a little bit of that Deshaun Jackson dynamic um, where he might be actually be better as an outside receiver than a slot, but I'd give him a chance and move him all over the field and create mismatches. He might blow up at the combine when people see his numbers. Um, so he, he may end up being a higher pick than this, but his tape shows more of a second-round grade to me so far. In the third round, I found another electric athlete, and that is uh, running back Bryce Love out of Stanford. He is absolutely electric, and he'd fit nicely as a third option at running back. Well, he hasn't really been used as a receiving threat that much at Stanford, he definitely has the ability to serve in that role and be an incredibly impactful um, third down back in the NFL. I'd love, love, love adding dynamic playmakers to the roster. And a few would have as much impact as Marquise Brown and Bryce Love. And so giving Aaron Rodgers a couple of weapons um, really would get me excited, having met a few of the um, absolute needs in free agency. In the fourth round, I found Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M. He is a tight end that has really intriguing size and measurables. I like having a dual threat tight end in a league that has moved to more specialists. Because it doesn't necessarily tip your play calling due to personnel. So Sternberger could spend a year learning the system and developing a rapport with Rodgers. And he is combined with Jimmy Graham and now Demetrius Harris. And then also a developing Robert Tanyan for a suddenly deep group. With that second fourth round pick, thanks haha Clinton Dix, I went with safety Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State. So even if the if the Packers were to manage to acquire two safeties in free agency, they still um, have Josh Jones, who would be developing, but it would be nice to add an additional young playmaker at the position. Abram is a really great athlete with good size, so he fits that Brian Gutekunst mold. He needs some time to develop into a better tackler. He needs to take some better angles, but I think he's the exact kind of guy that I'd love to see the Packers take a chance on in the middle of the fourth round. So we know it's way too early to be talking about specifics, but I wanted to lay out a plan today to completely rebuild the edge and safety position, add in a couple dynamic playmakers, beef up the offensive line. And I feel like if I can do this in a simulation on a Friday morning, certainly Brian Gutekunst can do a much, much better job over the course of the offseason with an abundance of resources. So as we look at the next head coach and as that process unveils, I think there is a lot of things to be optimistic about in the upcoming offseason for the Green Bay Packers. So to keep with traditions, this is our 17th installation of an update on the New Orleans Saints 2019 first round pick. And as I said earlier, the Saints pick is currently sitting at pick 32 and the Saints host the Carolina Panthers this week. Uh, but with their number one seed being clinched, the game is essentially essentially meaningless when it comes to draft position. The pick is going to fall somewhere between 27 and 32 when all things, um, or when the season ends. But we'll have to wait until after the Saints playoff bye to find out exactly where that is going to be. So, 
Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for today. I hope everybody had a happy holidays. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew Mertig. Remember to please also follow at Packaday Podcast. I'll be writing my last ever article for PackersTalk.com, which is going to be posted next Tuesday. So I'd appreciate you checking that out if you're interested. I'd also like to take a moment to say a big thank you to Jersey Al for giving me my first chance in the Packers digital media, uh, which is really the main reason that gave me a chance to host on Packaday. So thank you, Al, um, and another thank you to Andy Herman. Um, I will be continuing with Packaday Podcast, and so please remember to subscribe if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike and Tyler. And check out Jack, uh, Jacob and Zach as they get ready for the game on Sunday. Kyle is going to make his triumphant return next week, and you can catch us every single Friday. We'll be back next Friday with a look at the Packers head coaching search, the rest of the NFL playoffs, and then, of course, continuing to preview the offseason. So thanks for listening, and as always, remember... From the 16 of New York, first down, goal to go. Rodgers in the shotgun, Williams to his left, here's the snap. Rodgers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end zone, and a dagger! They beat Morris Claiborne to the back line of the end zone, and the Packers have won it! Rodgers with Williams to his right takes the snap, they pick up the blitz, lost it on the left side, he's got Kumaro wide open, right sideline, cuts it back to the 10 to the end zone, touchdown, no flag, 49-yard pass play, Kumaro from Rodgers! Motion to the right side of St. Brown. Pitch goes to Williams around the left end. Pass and block. He makes the turn to the five. Barrel down to the end zone. Touchdown. Paul Wickard by Jamal Williams to get the pylon. Seven-yard touchdown run. And it's 21-13 New York. Roger shotgun takes the snap, rolls the pocket right. Looking, now lost it. Right side, got a man wide open. St. Brown, stiff arms his way by a man. Inside the third, 25. Fuck down the three-yard line of New York. Snap, Roger shotgun, looking. Steps up, climbs the pocket, throws the left side. He's got Mark Postel, that's gambling down the left side, line 30. Stays in play to the 25. He's down at the 20-yard line. It is fourth and one. Here snaps to Rodgers, looks, pops it over the left side. He's got Robert Tanyan on a cross, across the 40, between the numbers, brought down at the 35-yard line of New York, first down. Here's the snap, faking handoff, rolling right as Rodgers looks the end zone, takes it himself, he's in for the score. It's 35-29, Rodgers scoring on a one-yard touchdown run around the right end. Takes the snap. Backpedals, pump fakes once, and again, holds the left side. Rodgers going to take it himself, to the 20, to the 15, cuts it back in the 10, to the 5, and he's right on near the one-yard line. Oh, my goodness, Aaron Rodgers wheeling his way inside the 5. So, fourth down for the Packers, inches away from the lead score. Rodgers takes quarterback sneak, reaches over, and the ball came loose, but it's a touchdown. Rodgers reached it over, and the Packers have taken the lead, 36-29.